prayer and committed to discipleship. And one of the real driving um, rationales, I guess, behind that was that we want our ministries to be ministries. Now, you might say, well, ministries are always ministries. That's why we call them ministries. But often our ministries, I think, are really just programs. Or our ministries can be activities. They are things that we do because we've always done them. And often they can miss the core elements, which I think make them a ministry. And some of those core elements, they're not the only core elements, but we think three core ones which we thought if we could introduce into the programs and activities we do as a church, hopefully they might start to really take on the nature of a ministry. And that is being um, a program or an activity which is focused on others and introducing them to Christ. It's focused on mission. That's, uh, that is dependent on prayer. So we come into these ministries and we recognize the fact that they're not just about us doing stuff, they're actually about God doing things through us. And the only way God is going to, we can, not the only way, but one of the ways we can ensure that we keep that mindset and keep that focus and we keep God involved in what we're doing is that we commit that ministry to prayer. And then not only that though, it's not just about looking at others and introducing them to Jesus, getting down on our own knees and laying our ministries before Jesus. It's also about us growing ourselves in our own personal walks and the walks of those around us in our journey and what that looks like as we seek to become more and more like him. And that is what we see as being the core of discipleship, keeping your eyes focused on Jesus and working together so collectively we move more and more to maturity in him and more and more to a likeness in him. Now, Mike kind of touched on the fact that, you know, the 3Ds were helpful for a time, but nothing's forever, right? And I think if we had one criticism as, as an eldership of, of the 3Ds, I think it might have been it was helpful at a leadership level to prioritize things, but maybe it didn't filter its way down to the grassroots in terms of really shaping what we say, what we do, and who we are as a church. So we're hoping by simplifying that down a little bit and by just focusing on these three core areas of mission, prayer, and discipleship, we can really bring ministries and allow them to grab onto three priorities which I think, yeah, I get that. And some of those priority areas will obviously be more important for different ministries, others will be more important for others. But overall, I think there's an element of mission, there's an element of prayer, there's got to be an element of discipleship in everything that we do as a church. So what I'm here to talk about a little bit is what that will actually look like in terms of trying to filter this down to the grassroots level so that it does shape our ministries and it does help them to be um, ministries that glorify Christ, not just do stuff. Now, this process was started um, a bit over a week ago where some ministry leaders who have been involved in um, some of the ministries here for a while gathered together. We talked about these priority areas and they broke off into groups to start thinking about what this might look like. And we asked them the question, what are we going to stop doing? What are we going to keep doing? And what are we going to start doing that we may not have done before in light of these priorities? And then as a result of that, people talked a little bit about things they're going to stop, things they might want to start, things they want to keep doing. And then lined it up to make sure that when you look at these three columns, I've got something in each column, so that I'm not forgetting about prayer, I'm not forgetting about discipleship, I'm not forgetting that ultimately we want to see people introduced to Christ through the mission here at Canterbury Gardens. But that obviously isn't an end, that's just a means, right? That's just a start in the process. And if we just finished it that night, it would be a great disappointment. So now those ministry leaders are going to be talked to uh, and, and work with the pastors to journey that through their ministry teams to get them across what that might look like for them, to get some feedback from them so that we can ultimately land on one, maybe two things in each area. That's it. That's all it needs to be. If you want to do five or six in an area, that's great. But we're encouraging you to think, think of one or two things in each area 
where you can look at and go, you know what, I can see if we do that, then it's at least making sure what we're doing is not forgetting about these key priorities and what we're doing. So from that on, uh, halfway through the year, we're going to gather that group together again. Um, they've already filled out um, a bit of a chart. Uh, we'll gather them together at half time, uh, half time, halfway through the year. Um, depends if you're a sports fan or not. And we can do a review on how we went in the first six months. You know, were we, if we were honest about our ministry, were we an activity or were we a ministry? Were we focused on prayer? Were we dependent on prayer? Or did we just pray sometimes? Were we committed to discipleship? Were we focused on mission? Ask those questions, because we should always be asking those questions of ourselves. Not just when we're involved in ministry, even in our personal life and what that looks like. So hopefully these are habits which can help shape our church moving forward. And then obviously at the end we can gather together again, we can look at what's happened, um, and we can praise God for the great things that have come out with it, and we can take on some learnings as well that might shape us for next year and the year forward after that. Ultimately, um, like I said at the start, we, we want our ministries to be ministries. We don't want to just do stuff for the sake of filling up this building each um, week. We don't want to do things because we feel as though we should have a men's ministry or we should have a youth group or we should make sure there's something there for young adults. Um, just we should do it is never a reason for doing it. We're called to do it. God wants us to do it. That's a reason. All right? And that's got to be shaped by a heart that makes it not just something that we do, but something that we uh, engage in through the power of Jesus Christ so that he can be glorified through everything that we do. That's a ministry. And that's our heart for what these priority areas might help us um, to shape a little bit in 2017. So maybe one, I'll pray, maybe, and um, flick it over. Shub's like, oh, yeah, we can do that. We're meant to be dependent on prayer, so... Why don't we pray, and then I'll hand it back over to Shubs. Dear Lord, we just thank you for, um, for the chance to reflect at the start of the year on what this year might look like. And we thank you for the time that was had with some of the ministry leaders so far and the chance we were able to talk through what things we might want to start, stop, or keep doing so that our ministries can be ministries. And Lord, we just thank you that um, you are such an incredible God who achieved such a mighty amount on the cross. You offered us grace and and um, a salvation that we never could have attained ourselves, Lord. You are so far away beyond anything that we can comprehend, Lord, but yet you use us here at Canterbury to, to, to be more like you ourselves and to see other people around us become more like you. And Lord, we pray that will be our heart, that will be the core driver of everything that we do, that we never do something here at Canterbury because we feel like we should. We do it because we want to minister to people. And we want to see that ministry lifted up in prayer. We want to see it impacting in other people's lives through mission. And we want to see each of us engaging in discipleship so that we grow to be more like you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks, Paul. Um, hey, welcome to Canterbury Gardens Community Church. Once again, if you're visiting, uh, we love that you're here. Uh, we love that you're here with us. Um, if you are someone who's exploring the Christian faith, it's a great thing that you're here. It's a big deal to actually make the effort to come. Maybe you haven't been to church for a long time, um, and we appreciate that it's taking a lot of effort just to come here this morning. So thank you for coming. Uh, we'd love to get to know you. Um, at this church, we believe in the Bible. We believe in the Bible because we believe it's real, it's relevant, it's God's Word, and it's actually um, applicable to us uh, this morning even. And so if you...
if you have a Bible, I'd love for you to turn, or if you've got an electronic one, press or slide. Uh, we're going to be looking at two different passages this morning. First, we're going to be looking at John chapter 12, and then we're going to be looking at Revelation chapter 7. So John chapter 12 and Revelation chapter 7. So first up, we're going to go to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, starting in verse 12 12 of John chapter 12. This is God's word. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Even the king of Israel and Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it was written, Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and had been done to him. I want you to just see the slide or flip across to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. And we're going to pick it up in verse 9. After this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Father, we want to look at these passages that you have written through your servants, through your spirit. These are words of yours, and we want to ask that you would use them this morning in our lives and in the life of our church in this season for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, You've heard Mike and Paul talk about the three things that we want to rally around and focus on in 2017. You've heard how we want to be a church that is focused on mission, that we want to be dependent on prayer, and we want to be committed to discipleship. Now, if you're visiting Canterbury Gardens, welcome again, and you're in a, in a kind of a unique Sunday. And the reason why it's unique is we are kind of laying before you what we want to be known as a church, at least particularly this year. This is what we want to be known as a church. Now, if you have either been at Canterbury Gardens, maybe you've been in church churches before, and maybe you are, come from a, a Christian background, If you look at those three things, about being on mission, about being on prayer, about being about discipleship, I'm sure you have never heard that before in any church. I'm sure you're thinking, that is radically different. Wow, this church is doing that? That's crazy. It's out of this world. I mean, a church that wants to be uh, totally about mission. Wow. Wow. Amazing. I'm going to put that on my tweet this morning. Wow, a church that wants to be about prayer. I'm going to take a photo and put that up this morning. Oh, a church that wants to be about discipleship. Wow, that's just radical. That's amazing. 
And if you've grown up in the church, and maybe you've grown up at Canterbury Gardens even, it's very tempting in this moment, including for myself, to go, oh, yeah, I've heard that before. Well, this morning what I want to do is kind of give us an opportunity to step back and give a panoramic view, particularly in the busy week you might have had or the busy week that you're about to have. I want us to gaze on something. I want to particularly gaze on someone. And my prayer is, and our prayer as a leadership, to lay before you the reason why we do what we do, the reason why we're talking about this, the reason why we exist as a church. And the two passages that we just read in the Gospel of John and in Revelation. Firstly, we want to come back to the Gospel of John So this is where, uh, in the story of Jesus' life, while while he was physically here on this earth, John is making an account of Jesus' life. Jesus is actually about to head to the cross to be crucified. And prior to this section, he's actually done some crazy and amazing things. He's actually risen someone from the dead. It's a true story. It's not made up. It's true. You can read about it in John 11, if you don't believe me. And throughout this book, this author, John, is constantly saying, Jesus is not just a mere man, he is God, he is the Son of God, he is God himself. And we come up to this section in John chapter 12. I don't know if you notice, there's a couple of things going on in John chapter 12. The crowds have gathered. Maybe they've heard about Jesus and his miracles, the stories spreading about him raising someone from the dead, and they are now ready Some people are maybe uh, attaching a few things together and they're wondering, is this the Messiah that the nation has been waiting for? Is this the guy? They're looking forward to it. And what we're seeing in some sense is like a a celebration. And it's a significant time in that Jewish calendar festival too that's going on. We don't have too much time to go into it, but there's a significant thing going on all through the background. But what I want to focus on is there's a celebration. It's a, it's a, they're waiting for the arrival, and it's like they're waiting for the arrival of a king. And they cry out in verse 13, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. And here is this crowd. They've got palm branches, a celebration. They're waiting for the king to arrive. This is the one they've been waiting for. This is the one the prophets have promised. Maybe this is the one who will save them from the tyranny of the Roman Empire. And how does this king enter a city? Does he enter riding on a stallion as a ruling and conquering king? Or does he even enter in a, in a sense in a chariot drawn by horses, powerful, mighty horses? No, this king comes riding on a gentle donkey. (laughs) Can you imagine being there? It's a little bit different. I don't think there's anyone who rode a horse this morning to church, uh, or a donkey for a fact. But it would be like if it was today, for some reason, I came up to you this morning and said, guys, guess what? The Queen of England is coming to this church on Sunday morning. Now, whether if you are a Republican or monarchist, doesn't matter. We'll argue about that later after the service. But if you knew the queen was coming, what would you do? I would say to you, okay, let's all go outside. The queen's about to come down the driveway. And we all head out waiting. We're waiting for the queen to arrive, the queen of England. And we see the motorcade first come. Some police officers, maybe on motorbikes, arrive. And then maybe the security detail of the 
queen, the queen guard, come to make sure everything's safe. And they're waiting for the queen. We've seen the pictures and how she usually comes in a Rolls Royce. People around her. And all of a sudden we hear this sort of, kind of a bang. It's like a car backfiring. You look up the driveway and there is the queen driving herself in a 1970 Daihatsu charade. (laughs) If you don't know what that is, you can look it up. It just doesn't make sense. This is royalty. Friends, this is a wonderful picture of who our God is, our Savior is. But not only that, the words in this is to show there's a fulfillment happening. The passage that is quoted here is in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. If you have a Bible, a physical Bible, you'll see a little letter or a number to it. You can just look on the footnote that shows you where that is. What you're seeing is what's been told from years beyond, that this was going to happen. There are commentators that talk about this is a wonderful picture of who Jesus is, that he is the one who is gentle. This is the gentle king who will bring peace. This is the gentle king who's entering and who will ultimately bring himself as a sacrifice through his blood. This is the gentle king who is coming to save the captives who are in slavery to sin and death. But even then, not everyone got it. It wasn't until after Jesus rose from the dead, the spirit comes down onto the disciples. Then they go and tell this truth, who this king is. But friends, that hasn't even changed today. There are many, many in your life, in my life, friends who are still do not understand who this Jesus is. There are men and women in your workplaces, schools, neighborhoods, sporting clubs, wherever you are, that do not know this gentle king, this humble king, who has all authority that went to the cross on their behalf. Friends, this is why we as a church want to be focused on mission both individually and corporately. This is why we do what we do. This means that if this is true, maybe this year is the year that you will need to reconsider your plans. Maybe you had a thought, this is the way you're going to go, but God has a plan for you. That is to be involved in his mission, to go and share about this gentle king. Friends, this is why Canberra Gardens exists, and this is why we would love for you to join with us in this mission. But see, the story that you read in the Gospel of John does not end there. It continues. So if you want to flip back with me to Revelation again. Revelation 7. This book is written by the same author who wrote the Gospel of John. These are amazing words. This guy has actually been in exile. He's actually in exile because of the Christian faith. He's been given some amazing visions. And throughout all of this, Christians are actually getting exiled. They're getting uh, killed for their faith. And there are even rulers at the time who are saying, if you don't worship me as a god, you will die. And in the midst of all of this, John gets this amazing true vision. Let's read it again. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hand, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne 
and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. And they fell on their faces and before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Do you know what the end goal of why we gather as a church on Sunday morning is? Do you know why we run the ministries like Kids Church as you saw all those kids head out? Do you know why we want to ultimately talk about being a church that wants to be focused on mission, dependent on prayer, committed to discipleship? Because we, as a church, as a leadership, as a whole body, would love to see and hear this happen and come into fulfillment on that day. That we have a part to play in that. This is a true account. This will happen. This is a promise. But I don't know if you've noticed the similarities in the two passages in the Gospel of John and in Revelation. One of the big similarities is both holding branches. There are significant differences. On one hand, you've got a large crowd waiting for the Messiah. In verse 9, you have a multitude. No one could number. On one hand, you have the people of Israel have been waiting for a Messiah, and they're waiting again. But here you have not just the nation of Israel, but every nation and every tribe and all the peoples. Can you see as well this wonderful vision that one group, you've got the Jewish-speaking, Hebrew-speaking people, that's no longer just the Jews and the Greeks, but it's all languages. And what are they doing? Are they standing at a gate waiting and watching for a king to come riding on a donkey, let alone a horse? No, they're standing before the throne of the Lamb of God. This lamb is Jesus. This lamb is the one who was slaughtered for your sin and my sin. This is the one who was once again raised, raised again on the third day. This is the one who brings salvation, as it says in verse 10. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the lamb. This is only through him that you and I can have eternal life. Because of who he is. That he is the king who sits on the throne. He is the ruling one. And I love this amazing picture in verse 11. They all fall face down. And worship saying, Amen. If you want to use modern day terms, it's like saying, Yes, yes. True, if I hang out with my Pentecostal friends, it's like, come on. If I hang out with my African-American pastor friends, it's like, mm-hmm, there you go, preach it, brother. It is a passionate crying, yes, this is true. We agree, amen. And they say blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might Be to our God forever and ever. Amen. If you've grown up in Christian circles, there's a 90s Christian song that probably comes to mind in that moment. That's not what we're talking about. See, in the Gospel of John, we have this picture of a gentle king riding on a donkey. In Revelation, we have this picture of a gentle king. Yes, because he's described as a lamb. And throughout Revelation, there's this 
wonderful story constantly going on this picture of Jesus but in this moment he's, he's still a lamb but he's a lamb who's risen who has paid the price for you and for me but he's also now no longer just the king he's the forever king as one book says friends I don't know about you I know for me when I look at my week in my life I'm always focused on the now I get it we've got little kids we've got three little kids and we're in that season of kinder and school and all that kind of stuff going on it's very easy for me just to think about what's going on right in front of me in the now and i get it that's a busy season but god is also involved in the now he's involved in your life he knows everything about you but please friends if you call yourself a follower of jesus do not lose that big picture we will always be tempted to lose this big picture last week we had the privilege to have a guest speaker at this church by the name of murray capaliza Um, principal of a theological college in Melbourne. If you have not listened to his sermon, I would highly recommend it. Go and download it. Murray was walking up to the driveway up here. I went to meet him outside to say hello to him. And he comes up and he just looks at me and says, Hey, Murray, how are you going? Good to see you. Glad you found the place. And he goes, Yeah, it's good. And he just looks, Wow, this is beautiful. He's looking at the big hill there and the long grass that was mowed perfectly at that time, which was great. You're welcome. Um... And, I, and he's looking and going, this is amazing, this is beautiful. And I looked at him and go, yeah, I need you to come inside, we need to start a service soon. I looked and I thought, oh, yes, it is beautiful. Because during the week I come and I'll come into the office, I don't even look, I don't even, even ponder, I don't even wonder. Because it becomes so familiar to me. It's just become background noise. And friends, that will always be the temptation of any church, including not just the church together, but also individually for you. In this moment, these verses are a wonderful reminder why you exist, why I exist, why we as a church exist. To be part of God's work, his mission work in a broken world that is so crying out for him. So that you and I then come to him dependent on prayer. That means then that will move us by God's mercy and grace through his spirit to be involved in one another's lives and the lives of others and discipling them to come back to this, this saviour, this king. So that there is that day where maybe you and I can stand with others that we've invested time into as a church we've ministered to and we can sing in one loud voice. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And maybe to be there on that day and hear these wonderful words as they fall down. Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor, and power and might to our God forever and ever. Amen. Church, this is why we exist. This is why Canary Gardens is focused on mission. This is why we're dependent on prayer. This is why we're committed to discipleship. This is why we exist. We would love and welcome you to join in that. Whether in a, in, a, in a ministry capacity, in your daily life, we would love for you to join in that. Because we're here to come and exist for the purpose, this one purpose. Now how do we encourage this? Well, firstly, don't forget. Don't forget. 
in the midst of your week, in the midst of your busyness, in the midst of parenting, in the midst of raising kids and grandkids and whatever stage of life you're in right now, do not forget who Jesus is, what he's done, and where he sits now. Ask him to refresh that to you. That means each day, preach the gospel to yourself before you go and share that with others. In this church, we talk about gospeling each other. That means encouraging one another in Christ. That means you and I, before I go on Facebook and Instagram and whatever else that might be in us, stopping and thinking and remembering who this Jesus is and what he's done. That means before you head into work and look at your computer and all the things that you have to do, before all of these things, it's reminding ourselves who Jesus is, what he's done, and then asking God, how do I join in your mission? I want to be dependent on you in prayer. And who do you want me to invest in this year? This is who our Savior is. This is what he's calling us to. What I'm going to do now is we're going to have a bit of a commercial break in some sense. I'm a visual person, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to play a song that's going to be up here on the screen. It's by a guy called Chris Tomlin. And what I want to do is kind of give you a bit of a glimpse, a very tiny glimpse, what it could look like in heaven of all the nations and tribes gathered together to worship our King. If you're someone who gets a bit distracted with big lights and lots of noise and music, maybe close your eyes and just try to listen to the words. Thanks, guys. Um, every time I see that. These are tears of joy. But also, it's tears of reality. There are many who don't know. Church, this is why we exist. So if you call Cameron Gardens home, Join us. If you're thinking about looking for a church, this is what we're about. And maybe this week, maybe even on Monday, before you start your day, your week, maybe just stop and pause and maybe just ask God the question, Lord, who is it that you want me to be in mission to? Empower me to be dependent on you through prayer. And who do you want me to invest in this year through discipleship? All for that purpose and glory. invite the music team to come up as we sing our last song about taking my life and so would you join with us in singing if you need time to just sit and think and pray that's fine I'm going to pray for us as we close Jesus we thank you for this wonderful picture (laughs) it's going to be a day when it won't be Chris Tomlin on the front stage but you and so we pray for that day Help us to be faithful, to do, to join you in your purpose and your will in this world till you return or call us home. For your glory. Amen. Jesus, we pray that you would take not just our lives individually, but um, my life individually, but our life as a church community. So we lay these dreams and aspirations at your feet. The one who rules and reigns. The one who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords.
And we do pray, come Lord Jesus. But until that day, empower us through your spirit, be faithful servants of yours, here on this earth. And we pray for your kingdom come, and it will be done here on earth as it is done. In Jesus' name. God bless. Um, please come and say hi. If there's anything you want to talk about with our, the leadership about some of the things we've chatted, please come and talk.